This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. As Dr. R.L. Middleton stopped one morning for breakfast at a town in New Mexico, he happened to notice a statement that was written on the bottom of the menu. It read like this. Each morning I turn to the sports page of my newspaper to learn of man's achievements. Then I turn to the front page to learn of his failures. This statement might well make us turn our thoughts towards some of the things that make life a success. What does constitute success in one's life? What makes a person a failure? Is it what a person has done? Or is it what kind of person one has become? Is it a large salary? Popularity in the community? Election to public office? Business success? What is the proper measure for success in life? Dr. George W. Truett said, to know God's will is the greatest knowledge. To find God's will for one's life is the greatest discovery. But to do God's will is the greatest achievement. And if these statements are true, and I think they are, then success comes in doing the will of God for our lives. Let's go back for a moment and look at the world standard of the measure of success. Suppose an artist has the dream of his life, his greatest work, interrupted. Maybe a beautiful picture he planned to paint, but that dream was interrupted by his death. Actually, the great painter Raphael died before completing his last picture. It was carried in the funeral procession as a testimony to the failure of his lifelong dream. Visitors to the study of Sir Walter Scott in Scotland may read some of the last words which this great author wrote in his journal. The words are, Tomorrow we shall... But this entry was incomplete. But no one considers Sir Walter Scott a failure. The great musician Franz Schubert did not complete his great unfinished symphony. But that great symphony, that composition is still a wonderful blessing to many people. When Nathaniel Hawthorne failed as a clerk, he went home to tell his wife he had lost his job. And she said to him, well, that's all right. Now you can write that book you've been wanting to write. The world has been blessed by many classic works that this man produced. What goal do you try to achieve in life? Thomas Stanley has defined success in these words. He has achieved success who has lived well, laughed often, and loved much, who has gained the respect of intelligent men and the love of little children, who has filled his niche and completed his task, one who has left the world better than he found it, whether by an improved poppy, a perfect poem, or a rescued soul, who has never lacked appreciation of earth's beauty, or fail to express it, who has always looked for the best in others and has given the best he had, whose life was an inspiration, whose memory a benediction.
When Jesus Christ, our Savior, died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And to this brief life, he condensed so much love and so much goodness. Jesus had truly finished his work. But he was not counted a success by many who knew him. In fact, many of his own followers thought that his death meant the end of all that he had said and done. Even before his death, one day when Jesus was speaking to some people, he made some statements that they thought were absolutely crazy. You can read about this in John chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse 59. Take your Bible if you have a moment and, and read there. Jesus was teaching in a Jewish place of worship in Capernaum. Many of the Jesus' disciples heard him and they said, this is too hard for anyone to understand. Jesus knew that his disciples were grumbling. And so he asked, does this bother you? What if you should see the Son of Man go up to heaven where he came from? The Spirit is the one who gives life. Human strength can do nothing. The words I have spoken to you are from that life-giving Spirit. But some of you refuse to have faith in me. Jesus said this because from the beginning he knew who would have faith in him. He also knew who would betray him. And then if you'll notice in verse 66 of that chapter, because of what Jesus said, many of the disciples turned their backs on him and stopped following him. Does not sound much like a successful man, does it? Not at all. Jesus told Pilate, Thou sayest I'm a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. That's John 18, verse 37. In John 10, 10, you remember that verse perhaps. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. This is why Jesus came, not to be measured by the world's standard of success, but by doing the will of the Father, by bearing witness to the truth, and by giving us the opportunity for life more abundant. Of course, Jesus knew that to obey the Father's will meant for him sacrificial action. Genuine love involves a willingness to sacrifice, and that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Dave Simmons recounts a beautiful illustration of this truth in his book, Dad, the Family Coach. These are his words. I took Helen, eight years old, and Brandon, five years old, to the Cloverleaf Mall in Hattiesburg to do a little shopping. As we drove up, we spotted a Peterbilt 18-wheeler parked in the parking lot with a big sign on it that said, Petting Zoo. My kids jumped up in a rush and they said, Daddy, Daddy, can we go? Please, please, can we go to the petting zoo? Sure, I said, flipping them each a quarter before I walked into Sears. They bolted away. I felt free to take my time looking for a scroll saw that I was going to buy. A petting zoo consisted of a portable fence erected in the mall with about six inches of sawdust and a hundred little furry baby animals of all kinds. Kids pay their meager money and they stay in that enclosed place enraptured with the squirmy little critters 
while their mom and dad's, moms and dads shop. Well, a few minutes later, I turned around and I saw my daughter, Helen, walking along behind me. I was shocked to see that she preferred the hardware department to the petting zoo. Recognizing my error, I bent down and asked her what was wrong. She looked up at me with those giant brown eyes and she said sadly, well, Daddy, <clears throat> it cost 50 cents to get into the petting zoo. So I gave Brandon my quarter. Then she said the most beautiful thing I ever heard, said her father. She repeated our family motto, which is, love is action. She had given Brandon her quarter. And no one loves cuddly, furry creatures more than Helen does. She had watched my wife Sandy and me on so many occasions give thanks to other people saying, love is action. Now she had incorporated that into her own little lifestyle. It had become a part of her. What do you think I did? Well, not what you might think. As soon as I finished my errands, I took Helen to the petting zoo. We stood by the fence and we watched her brother Brandon go crazy petting and feeding the animals. Helen stood with her hands and her chin resting on the fence, just watching her brother Brandon have a good time. The father said, I had 50 cents just burning a hole in my pocket, but I never offered it to Helen and she never asked for it. Helen knew that the whole family motto is not just love is action, but it is love is sacrificial action. Love always pays a price. It always costs something. <coughs> yes, love is expensive. Love gives. It does not grab. Helen gave her quarter to Brandon and she wanted to follow through with her lesson. She knew she had to taste the sacrifice. She wanted to experience that family motto, love is sacrificial action. We're living in a busy day when there is on every hand the temptation to stoop to the world's standards for success. This temptation comes to the youngest as well as the oldest. God's call to us is to measure our standards and our actions by the standard which He gives to us. When we accept God's standards and when we find what His complete will for our life is, then we find true joy and happiness. George Matheson, who wrote the hymn, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, had a very meaningful prayer. These are the words of his prayer. Lord, Help me to accept thy will, not with dumb resignation, but rather with holy joy. When we come to recognize God's will as the greatest achievement we can have, then life begins to take on a new perspective. The powers of this earth may have some hold on us, yes, but because we have God's will in our heart, external forces cannot change us. During the early days of World War II, when British and American men and women were being ex uh, evacuated from China, there were two men who were standing at the rail of a steamer 
which was soon to take them from the land in which they had spent most of their lives. Both of these men had heavy hearts because the enemy was about to take over their city. One of these men, an oil man, with tears in his eyes, said to the other one, All the years of my effort, gone now. We blew up the last well just before I boarded this ship. There's nothing left. Just think of it. The work of a lifetime, gone now. After a pause, this man turned to his companion on the, on the ship and he said, Sir, what, what is your business? And just about that time, before the other man could answer, a native from that area ran up the gangplank and interrupted the conversation by calling the name of the other man. They talked for a while in Chinese. And when the native Chinaman had gone, the man turned back to the oil man and he said, I believe you ask about my business. Well, I am a missionary. That was Mr. Wong. I have turned my work over to him. The old man thought for a while and then he said very wistfully, Oh, how fortunate you are that your work is God's work. That cannot be blown up. How true this is. In God's divine will, there is a serene peace that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away from us. A good prayer to pray might be this one. Thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be, lead me by thine own hand. Choose out the path for me. Heavenly Father, may that be our prayer today that we may let you have control of our lives and that as we're taught to pray in that model prayer that Jesus gave us, 